Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome everyone to Dragon Quest FM, where we talk about and obsess over Dragon Quest. I'm Austin. I'm BJ. That was the most, that was like the most, I don't know, reserved I'm BJ that you've ever done on here. This is my name. I'm BJ. But you're not excited about it. I'm not, not today. I'm just like, hey, I'm here. I'm BJ. I'm your new best friend. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, this week's episode, uh, I decided to do something kind of fun. Uh, with Dragon Quest 2. It's been a it's been a hot minute since we've done anything with Dragon Quest 2 because, you know, it's an older game. We covered it whenever I was playing through it, like back in the first season of the podcast. And then we've talked about it, you know, bring it up in conversation here and there, but it's never been like a topic yeah. on the podcast in, in a while now. And so it just seemed like a good time to do this. And uh, for some background reference, I've just been doing a lot of... Uh, Dragon Quest research for a project I'm working on, um, right? And uh, I've just I found all sorts of cool Dragon Quest two facts among other games too. But I found enough with Dragon Quest two that I just thought it was really cool, and most of it was stuff yeah. that I'd never seen before. And I was like, we should just do an episode on this so I can a get to tell you about it because I think it's stuff that you would be excited for too, right? Um, but also get to share it with everybody because uh, there, there's just some cool things about Dragon Quest two that I never. Uh, realized and this is not one of those games that i've done a lot of like research on before uh yeah for those of you who maybe missed that episode in season one um i really like dragon quest 2 um more than a lot of people and i think i liked it because of how much it made me angry (laughs) (laughs) man Uh, you got so mad at that game i will never forget how how many just rage texts i got about it while you're playing through it for the first time Finding the sunken treasure on the, this was the iOS version that I played initially. Yeah. Uh, finding the sunken treasure in the iOS version is still one of the most painful things I've ever had to do in any game. Yeah. Still, con- still convinced there was like a glitch or bug or something going on because, I mean, I definitely went to that spot a whole, whole lot and it just eventually was there. And, uh, and- like you went there so often, like you just kept, and you sent me screenshots and you were like, you sent me screenshots and you sent me screenshots of guides and you're like, it's not working. Yeah. There was like so many obstacles to overcome because it was like, I I was just playing the game and then I was like, I couldn't find it. So I looked up a guide, but the problem was at least then at the time, this has been, you know, like five years now, but yeah. at the time it was. It like the guides that were available were all based on mostly based on Dragon Warrior Two, or the GBC version. Yeah, there weren't versions of Dragon Quest Two like that were had gone over to iOS, and so the names were different. And so I was having to cross reference names with everything else, and it was just a huge pain in the butt. And so yeah, I I did. I was like, look, this says it's here in the ocean. I'm here in the ocean, and it is not here. And and then there was like an NPC you had to go talk to. And I went and did that. And it was just like a big to do anyway. 
Sunken Treasure, definitely uh, don't uh, recommend. Uh, Malroth is still, you know, I've mentioned in lots of episodes how it, he's kind of like the Dragon Quest boss my mind always goes to mm-hmm. because of, of how uh, how much he killed me. And, mm-hmm. you know, I really, I, I like Malroth, even before Builders 2, because I love human Malroth. But even before that, just as a monster, you know, like I have a Malroth uh, figure and I have a Malroth plush. And I just felt like I needed to, I owed him something. <laughs> you owed him something. I mean, it's true. He, he did, he taught, he showed you the world. He, yeah. he made you a man. Wow. That's, well, uh, I don't know where to go from that. Uh, let's just, let's just dive in. So I have, right. I put together five fun facts, five fun facts dun, 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 dun. Um, for Dragon Quest 2 that I wanted to really hit on today. The first one is something that I don't think I've ever brought up on this podcast before. Uh, I a couple of years back, I know I shared it on on Twitter, and I know I know it's on Reddit because whenever I was doing some research for this, one of the top posts was like a Reddit post, and I was like, "Huh, that's weird," and it was like my tweet embedded to it, and I had this oh. weird, I had this weird out of body experience for a minute. <laughs> yeah, that's that's always weird. Yeah, when you like are researching something and then you like find yourself. Um, anyway, so I, I mentioned this on there, but I realize people listen to this podcast that don't have those things. Um, this one thing that I still think is super cool about Dragon Quest 2 is in originally when they were developing the game is it had these really cool like pixelated cutscenes that look almost like tapestries mm-hmm. um, that they were going to put in the game and that would have looked pretty advanced for that time on the Famicom. I mean, it's pretty impressive. You can find a, one or two of them online uh, still. And if you look at those, like it's it's pretty impressive, um, and it looks like the art style that's on the, the cover the, of the Japanese version. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, they but they had to cut this out, so they had these these cool pixelated cutscenes um, that they ended up having to cut out because of of memory constraints on the family. Right. Um, yeah, you know, that, there just that wasn't makes, that much. That makes sense. Yeah, there wasn't much space for it, and Dragon Quest Two. Uh, is a big game. I mean, even for its time, you know, it was very, it had a very big map, had a lot of content packed into it. And so the development behind this game, they're really trying to, I guess, I don't want to say cut corners because they already did so much into it, but it was kind of just like they had this massive idea for it. And Mm -hmm. because it was on the Famicom, like they just had to start cutting stuff. Yeah. Which I mean, that happens a lot, happened a lot for NES games. That when you and Famicom games, I mean, that was one of the big constraints of the system. And, and really, that I know I've read that made developers really like working for it, especially now going back and doing it, was that there are it is incredibly limited the what you can do with it. And uh, like having to cut things like that, that would have been awesome. And they're like way ahead of their time that were just not physically possible until the end of the of the system's life cycle. Yeah. Um, and so like, I just, the, again, the cutscenes look really cool, but I've always wondered, like, this would have been really confusing though for Dragon Warrior 2 because of the artwork that Dragon Warrior 2 went with, um, that kind of more like TSR D and D, uh, look that they had, um, like it would be weird seeing these more like chibi anime looking characters in cutscenes for Dragon Warrior. 
not necessarily Dragon the the American version the, the American the dra- version. version yeah Dragon Warrior two yeah yeah because like, the that would have been just really jarring like you already have the game that looks completely different than that so having cutscenes and everything as well that were that were put like that I could definitely see that being jarring for people like why. Why does this not look like the box? Yeah, you had this m- super buff dude, <laughs> like on the cover box, and then you have this squat little, almost chibi guy yeah. um, in the cutscene. Yeah, it would have looked weird, for sure. Um, so that was uh, fun fact number one. Fun fact number two is something I discovered a little bit more recently, um, which is that uh, Canuck Castle mm-hmm. uh, actually moved. Um, it was originally put in a different place, and it moved. And okay. if if you can get find the Dragon Quest II vinyl soundtrack, the vinyl record for this, right? Um, the original location of Canet Castle is on there on the back, so you can see because it's the original one, it's the wrong one. Like that's not where it is in the game. But if you if you own the Dragon Quest II vinyl, or you have found it somewhere, and you look online, if you look at the back. Cover art, you can see Canet Castle in the wrong place. Huh. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess it's because you have to get the physical, you know, stuff underway and get the proofs and, and get them out there, especially before, uh, you know, it was so much easier with email and, and digital stuff that you had to get them way ahead of time. And that was just one of those things where it had to change for gameplay purposes, but there was no way to change it during production. Yeah, and I found I tracked down the back of this because I wanted to see what it was, what it looked like, and it was kind of a hard thing to Google for in English, at least. I bet, uh, but yes. thankfully, uh, Schmupulations, which translates a lot of old interviews, um, and has been like a really cool resource for finding out fun Dragon Quest facts, mm-hmm. um, has a translated interview that covers some of this, and also has a screenshot. It's a little low res, um, but it has a screenshot of. Uh, Canet Castle, uh, the back, uh, the vinyl record, the back of it with Canet Castle in the wrong place. So if you want to, if you want to see it for yourself, you can just head over there and check it out. So it's it's on the back there of this record, and I, I thought that was really cool. And if you, for those of you that are really familiar with Dragon Quest Two, if you if you look at this, you'll look at it and think that oh that's that's location looks familiar, and it's because that's where Lake Cave is. They ended up. In the original version, Canet Castle was where Lake Cave is now. And so what they did, as I read this interview with Yuji Hori, where they had to move it closer because of how hard it was. Dragon Quest II was a hard game. And like that is something that is absolutely true based on your experience with it, where you wanted to say that you never played a Dragon Quest game again. Yeah, for sure. Um and for people who are listening to this, there's some sawing going on at BJ's house. He's not just like, I don't know what that was. It sounded like a long, like, fart. <laughs> yeah, it, it did. They're sawing outside my door, having a lot of housework done. Yeah, they're sawing. He's not just being flatulent. <laughs> yes, yes, not, not this time. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so it was so hard. And so as they went back and play tested it, they made, they made a lot of corrections, especially early on to... Um, like the way combat worked early in the game because they wanted the game to be challenging, but they were also like, well, okay, once you, you, it makes it really hard to walk from like this area to this other area because yes, the fights are challenging, but they didn't account for multiple fights initially. <laughs> like, like it just wasn't something I guess they thought yeah. of. And so the problem was that, okay, yes, this fight is, is challenging, 
but then when you have to when the random encounter happens so often and you're doing like all these fights between getting to a safe area um then you just die too often and so one of the ways they corrected this was they moved canic castle closer right yeah because middenhall cannot heal you need canic to to heal you and so it made so they moved Canic Castle closer, and then they moved Lake Cave over here, so that by that time you have Canic in your party. So when you're walking really, really far over there to Lake Cave, Canic can toss heels at you. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, but anyway, I just thought that was cool, and I've always, I always liked knowing about weird uh, typos. Um, yeah, and with, development decisions like that too. Like that's. That. Yeah, for sure, and I mean, like. Uh, like this is loosely related. This is not my fun fact. This is just my Dragon Quest uh, brain exploding out right now. But um, like a kind of related thing to that too is that you know in the Dragon Warrior promotional mater- materials that made it over here to the states on the map, there's actually characters from two on the map incorrectly. Um, oh really? Yeah, for the first game, and so uh, you can see them up there in the top. I think it's the top left corner. Um, I think I've mentioned that on here before, but yeah, it's uh, so anyway, kind of sort of related to Dragon Quest two stuff appearing in, in materials that shouldn't be. Hmm. Yeah. So then uh, fun fact number three, uh, we've talked a lot about difficulty. And so this kind of just made a logical segue off of this from the cool vinyl record fact. Dragon Quest two gets really, really hard. Uh, especially around Cave of Rhone, uh, Cave of Renderac, and then the Rhone slash Renderac area, depending on what version of the game you play, you know, called different yeah. things. People I've seen, I see all the time people like talking about the difficulty, but also I see online a lot where people are like, why is Dragon Quest II so hard? Like, why is it known for being such a hard game? Why do people hate it so much because it's hard? Like, what's what's the story, <laughs> yeah. what's the story behind this? And so kind of going on, Along with that, there's actually a good explanation for this too. Early on in playtesting, they moved the castle up to up closer for you, and they also tweaked the earlier encounters uh, that you that you get, especially when Mindhall is alone. Because I mean, you know, you're by yourself at that point. Of yeah. course, it's re- it's really easy to die when you're all by yourself. And so they they tweaked all that stuff around, but they were also under time constraints in terms of getting out the second game in the series. Right. And I mean, you know, it released like what a year after it, it hit the market, you know, like a year yeah. after the first one. And so there's just a very quick turnaround on all of this. Um, and like, I don't want to say crunch because nobody, you know, in any of the interviews I've read so far, no one said crunch, but it's almost like a, but like from our like modern day perspective of it, like it's almost that kind of sense where like they're rushing, they're staying up late. At night, they're working overtime to try to get this game out because they, they got to get it out for Enix. And um, and anyway, so because of the time constraints, though, they didn't have as much time to work with the later portions of the game and tweak as much. So while they had time early on from playtesters to see their feedback of, oh, I'm dying too much and fix this stuff, they didn't. Uh, they they didn't get around to doing that so much in the last half, and so this is why you get some weird things, um, in in that area. Like I, I feel like sacrifice is probably anybody who's played Dragon Quest two uh, has probably uh, probably most likely unless your luck is really good. Sacrifice has probably uh, been a big pain in your butt in like the last I don't know what is that like a fourth of the game. 
third of the game, fourth of the at game, least, I guess. At least, yeah, at least a quarter. Yeah, so you have the RNG from Sacrifice, and then you also have those enemies that can attack you like three times in a row um, before you even get a turn, and it just makes it super, super easy for you to die. And like the reason behind this was that they just didn't have time. To, that, that wasn't like wholly accounted for. So they... Like, I've read an interview, I think it's been a couple of years now. It was like a retrospective. I want to say it was Polygon, but maybe it wasn't Polygon. But I want to say that was it. It was a retrospective with Yuji Horii. Um, and they started bringing up something about this. And he went off on just a slight tangent and talked about Dragon Quest Two, And basically said, hey, we just didn't have time to play this correctly. Like, yes, this is why it's so hard. We didn't have time to to play those later portions uh as much as we should have. And so that's why you have these enemies that hit you three times and you sacrifice and, mm. and just make it really, really hard to get through there. <laughs> like yeah. incredibly difficult to get through. So I got two more of my five fun facts left. Uh, but before we do that, I think it's time for a little shameless self-promotion. Shameless, shameless, shameless self-promotion, shameless, shameless, shameless self-promotion. You throw in some horns and you got yourself a cake song right there. It's true. That is the kind of cadence it was, wasn't it? Yeah. This is famous <laughs> self-promotion. <laughs> You're right. I didn't even realize yeah. when I said that, like, yep, it does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You were, you were so close to having a cake song. You need to get Jennifer <laughs> to just like come in and like start playing a trumpet behind you. You got a cake song. That's, uh, that's why they call me BG Cakes. No nobody calls, calls me that. No one calls you that. No, yeah. Nobody does. We do have a Patreon page. Uh, you can find that at patreon.com slash dragonquestfm if you want to help support this podcast. And a huge shout out to all of our Patreon patrons. We really appreciate uh, all of you guys and just are really thankful for all the support here in season five, which is nuts. Yeah, I do not believe it. Um, I'm pretty sure this is like a Mandela effect thing. Like, we think it's season five, but it's really like season one. It's like, what what's going on? Like, I don't understand how we've been doing this for so long every week. Yeah. Um, we, we didn't actually bring that up back when usually every new season, we're like, hey, it's a new season. This is nuts. Yeah. Um, but now we're like, I don't know, 10 episodes, almost 10 episodes into like season five, and it's just weird. Oh, no. Yeah, weird. Mm-hmm. It is weird. But one day you will wake up from your coma and we'll learn that I nor this podcast ever existed. Actually exist. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like I dreamed. I dreamed you into existence. Like that Savage Garden song. I dreamed you into life. That's what I was thinking. I was like, you went from from cake to Savage Garden in about two minutes. That's pretty much my high school uh, uh, like playlist there. So uh, that tracks. Yeah. uh, We here at Dragon Quest FM, we're best of 90s all, all day long <laughs> it is true though with both we are the best of the 90s like let's not like don't make that as a we were both born a, in the 80s though i know but like we were you know adolescents in the 90s like i still consider myself a 90s kid oh yeah yeah, yeah i mean for sure but yeah um all right anyway i have nothing shameless to promote other than our podcast do you have anything yeah not right now just uh support us on the podcast and you might get more cake like, not actual cake. Not actual cake. Talking about, like, sounding like cake sometimes. Like, he's going the distance. He's yeah. going for speed. <laughs> <laughs> 
I can't even like at this point, it's like, I'm just, I'm just rolling with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, getting back over into today's episode, we got two more five fun facts. Right. A few years ago, I got to this cool thing where I interviewed uh, Nob Agasawara, who translated a number of yeah. uh, Dragon Warrior games. Back then, they yes. were still called Dragon Warrior. Also translated like a ton of Pokemon games up until like 2009. And, you know, is responsible for naming some of these. But because of this, I got to ask him a ton of cool questions. And one of them directly relates to, to Dragon Quest Two. And so uh, for people who haven't read that interview, and I know it's been a couple of years, this one seemed on topic. And I thought this was, this is still one of the, uh, like, I mean, it was, he gave a ton of interesting things, uh, like answers and everything, and just some mm-hmm. really cool insight into like Enix back in those days. Uh, but this is still one of those that like, has really stuck with me, which is why he's called uh, Lodo in the Game Boy yes. Color version. I, and still to this day, I still see people all the time on Twitter saying Lodo. And it's, you know, people who really grew up with that, but there's Erdrick and there's Roto and there's Lodo and it's just like so much to keep up with. Um, and so I actually asked him about this, about why, um, why Erdrick, these are the descendants of Erdrick, you know, and two, why they're, why, why is it Lodo? Why, mm-hmm. why are these the descendants <laughs> of, of Lodo? And I really appreciate his answer. His like candor is just like 10, 10, like really appreciate how honest he is um, with just everything. And uh, he actually said, uh, no, this is a direct quote, by the way. No, just a dumb mistake. I wasn't sure if it was Lodo or Roto, so I gambled they didn't want Rot and went with Lodo. <laughs> and neither, neither George, he's talking about his, his boss at Enix, nor anyone else at Enix USA called me on it, so the typo remained. So hmm. I just, I, I, I've always found that interesting because of how like prominent, especially with like Americans, I see people yeah. using Lodo a lot and it's just it's very uh it's very interesting to me that such a small thing like that you know has just like it's stayed in the dragon quest vernacular now for what 25 years 20 close to 20 my goodness yeah yeah, uh, for a while now and so i just i find that very uh fascinating that something like so so small (laughs) yeah have can have such an impact yeah, I know. And I like I love it with stuff like that. Like I love just stories like that that become a part of like this mythology around a fandom or product or or anything. And it turns out it was just a stupid mistake initially, and it was just one of those things that is like, ah, oh well, that it didn't matter at the time where and it's just people latch on to it and it's just a small detail. Yeah, but I mean I can totally get where he's coming from though. Oh, I totally. Mean, if, I, if I were translating a game, I would be like yeah, Rot, Rotto. <laughs> Rotto. Yeah, I can totally see why that. Yeah, it doesn't quite uh, roll off the tongue like your cake song. <laughs> uh, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then number five, I saved what I think is the most interesting one for last um, because this one just blows my mind. And I have, I mean, I, I've been pretty, I like to think I'm pretty ingrained within like Dragon Quest fandom, not like myself, like as a person ingrained, but like t- in terms of like, I'm honed into like reading articles about it all the time right. and like chatting with people about it all the time. Um, like that kind of ingrained. And I've never heard this before. And I just found it fascinating. So the ending to Dragon Quest two was almost totally different. They had a complete alternate ending for Dragon Quest two. And it was like super, super dark. Really? Yeah. Have you heard of this? 
Uh-uh, no, no, okay. this is all new to me. Okay, yeah, this was brand new to me, too. And it kind of, like, blew my mind. I don't want to be hyping it too much, but, I mean, it really did. It blew my mind. And I was like, oh, I got to tell I gotta tell BJ about this. And I was yeah. like, you know what? No, I'll save it. Do, do yeah, it no, I, I don't know about this one at all. Like, you and I have never talked about it. So, this, again, is according to Yuji Horii. Uh, but in the original ending, one of the... They, they went back and forth through some of the different endings from my understanding of it. Um, and one of the endings for Dragon Quest II before they settled on the real one was that the Prince of Kanek uh, sacrifice him, sacrifices himself there after the final battle. Kanek okay. sacrifices himself, and it's only Moonbrook and Hall that get out of there. Okay? So okay. Kanek dies, which is already on brand, but also darker. <laughs> right. He dies, true, like, yes. for real. Like, you can't bring him back. He sacrifices himself. So Minhal, Moonbrook, they flee back to Minhal Castle for the big celebration because now, you know, they save the world. Kanek, you know, paid the ultimate price here, but they've saved the world. And from what I can understand, it kind of just resumes along like the regular ending. You know, people are like congratulating you or whatever. But then it gets worse. But then like Kanek's little sister runs up shouting something like you killed my brother or you got my brother killed you got my brother killed and then stabs prince minhal in the chest and you die and then that's at the end of it whoa it's they're doing i didn't realize i had myself muted still that is not what i would have expected yeah that's like really dark right like like you Kanik is dead and then you get stabbed <laughs> yeah like they went they went like all dark on that one like they went as different from dragon quest one as they could have yeah for sure and i've and then so the reason they decided against this uh the the region the reason they decided against it is because they decided it was too sad and it was really from this is like compiled from a few different interviews that i've just kind of cross-referenced to uh to try to find like a fuller story here but from what i can gather is it was really uh nakamura koichi nakamura who was telling Yuji Hori like I don't know man this is this is this is like really sad way to end a game and wow yeah so from what I can gather we kind of have Nakamura to to thank for not that super bleak Dragon Quest 2 ending yeah cuz that's uh like like you said that's dark they uh they they're just man that would be and for an NES game too, like that wasn't really something that was done in games at that point. Yeah. And I, I also want to add this because I found after I actually started hunting down more information on this, I found an interview where Yuji Hori was talking about this briefly. And he said at the time, I don't, I'm not sure how long ago this interview was, but it's, it's been a, it's been a while, you know, it's been at least a decade, but Yuji Hori said uh, back then that he, he still wants to use that ending at some point. So now that I've read that, where Yuji Hori was like, yeah, that was the ending, and I really liked that ending. We just didn't get to use it. I'd like to use it one day. So now I'm kind of like, they've said Dragon Quest Twelve has got to be darker. So it's like, like this how Dragon Quest Twelve ends? Like that, that would be, that's actually, that would be great. I would love that. Like, because they said they're starting this whole new thing. It's going to be darker. That would be a good uh, ending uh, to do it, especially if it was the real ending instead of just the before credits ending. Yeah. And so like that would be very unexpected. And also, I mean, I don't want to just go completely like, you know, speculation here, but I have wondered, I'm like, okay, if Dragon Quest 12 is going to be darker and 
you know, Yuji Horii said after 11's development that he wanted to do something completely like unexpected with 12. Oh, okay. and, and I know, and I know at one point that he said he wanted to do something unexpected with 12, but also I, I know at one point that you and I were like, well, maybe that's what he means by that weird, like, maybe it's not going to be turn-based kind of thing. And it's going to be right. Like, maybe that's what he means by it. But now I'm like, that would be very unexpected if the, I mean, it would be darker and unexpected if you die at the end. Yeah, it would, but I would also like that. Yeah. I mean, I think it would probably be fine. I guess. I don't know. Um, on some level I'm like, yeah, that would be cool and kind of shake things up a bit. But on the other hand, I'm like, Everything is so dark all the time anyway, and both in the real world, but also there's just like a huge like push for all this darkness and like movies and, and gaming and stuff now that I'm just kind of like, I really appreciate Dragon Quest. Um, don't get me wrong. Dragon Quest has dark moments, but I also appreciate the upbeat, the generally upbeat nature that most of the games have and the the happy endings that we typically get to see. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So I do feel like something would get lost there. It could. Um, it might not feel as much like a Dragon Quest at this point. Yeah, like like when I beat a Dragon Quest game, it's always like, "Yay, I'm happy! This is I like the character's got a happy ending, and it's all good." And it's not like, "Oh, this these characters are all dead now," <laughs> you know, like like Final Fantasy games have yep. done in the last like twenty years. But <laughs> but. <laughs> There's like a, a catharsis, I guess, at the end of yeah. a Dragon Quest game because it's happy and because it, it tends to be more fairy tale. So I yeah. don't know. But anyway, but me re- having read this, whenever he said he would still like to use it one day, I've kind of been like, hmm, is, mm. is this the ending for 12 now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is that is very true. Yeah. So huh. anyway. So those are my five fun facts. I hope I hope you learned a lot. I did. But uh, anyway, I hope that you guys listening have also uh, got to hear something cool because I thought these things were were really cool too. Um, yeah, that's remember, really neat. Remember uh, patreon.com slash dragonquestfm if you want to support this podcast. And you can talk to us on Twitter at dragonquestfm. Uh, and you can find me personally on there at dragonquestin. And you can find me on Twitter as at Professor Beege. I'm on Mastodon as Beege at dice.camp. And you can talk to us on Discord at discord.geek2geekmedia.com. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Bye.